Great to have you worshiping with us here at the church, and uh, excited to have you be part of our one-to-one series. Uh, hard to believe that we are coming toward the tail end of that, and excited about it. I uh, hope that you have been blessed by it. I hope you've also been challenged by it. But before we dive into today's lesson, I want to encourage us and remind us why we're doing this. Why have we been going through one-to-one? And I've said before that my prayer has been that it wouldn't be just, hey, this has been a good sermon series, it's nice to hear but it would actually begin to impact our hearts and that in it we really would look at the final idea of one-to-one, which is finding our one. And so with that, I'm going to take us back just briefly to the whole reason why we're doing this study. And it was about October of last year, I was listening to a podcast uh, with Kerry Newhoff and Tom Rayner. Uh, Kerry Newhoff is an, sort of a, a former pastor. We call him now sort of an apostolic pastor. He is essentially teaching other pastors through his podcast, as well as other sort of books and things that he's doing. And in this uh, discussion, they were talking about the dearth of evangelism in American churches today. And Tom Rayner is the head of an organization that studies sort of church health and church uh, viability across not only the United States, but around the world. And through a series of questions and through a series of interviews with a variety of different churches all across the United States, they began to discover that as they looked at what churches were doing, they realized that while things were good, they had put a lot of emphasis on programs, and unfortunately what they were finding was evangelism, meaning actually going out and telling people about Jesus, had sort of taken a back seat to everything else that was happening. They then backed this with the fact that through data, they're seeing that a lot of church growth, not bad, but the reality is what they call market consolidation. It's just Christians moving from one church to another. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but the reality is what? Jesus didn't say, hey, just move from one church to another, did he? He said, go and what? Make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Holy Spirit, telling them about me. So I want to take a quick moment, and I just want to ask, how many of you are in church today because someone shared the gospel with you? Okay, can you raise your hands a little higher? Okay, look around real quick. What if we weren't doing that? What if nobody ever shared the gospel with you? What if we just said, hey, it's great, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, to come to church, to worship Jesus, but then once we essentially finish church, we check Jesus at the door. And then we come back on the following Sunday, and we bring Jesus with us, and we tout him, and we talk about him, and we worship him, but the second that we leave the door, we check him at the door again. You know, looking around, when we see those hands raised, we realize that the reason that these individuals are here is, A, because, yes, God is working in their lives, but someone was willing to take the step to present the gospel to them. Now, God is the one who saves. I'm not giving credit to ourselves, but we have to recognize that the whole reason behind that is, is individuals were willing to go out and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you the change that God has made in my life. And so with that, one of the things that I want to encourage us in 
And one of the things that I want to continue to challenge us with is to be praying simply about this. In this one-to-one series, ask God to help him or help you find your one. I'm not asking you to be Billy Graham. I'm not asking you to go out and, you know, stand in the middle of a street and preach the gospel, although if that's what God calls you to do, that would be wonderful. But here's the idea. What if each of us took that seriously, and over the course of the year, we just looked around and we said, God, who have you put in my relationships that are beginning to ask spiritual questions about Jesus? And would I, if they are, be willing to go to them and say, hey, would you be willing to go through a study with me to learn more about who God is and why I worship my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And then if they are, taking them through that and then letting God lead. And what if we took that seriously? And what if a year from now we were looking in this congregation, although I want to be honest, it's not about Faith Bible Church, it's about the kingdom of God, but somehow, some way, through that, we looked around and we each said, you know what, that individual there or that individual over there is because we were willing to take a step and tell them about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the purpose behind this. And so for the past several weeks, we've been going through the one-to-one series talking about the reliability of the scriptures. We've been talking about who God is. We've been talking about who Jesus Christ is. We've been talking about sin and our need for salvation. We've been talking about our new life in Christ. And so today, we're going to talk about the next aspect. And this is one of the things that I want to tell you about. Um, How many of you are excited that you've been saved by Jesus Christ? Okay, hopefully your hands go up. Let me ask you a quick question, and this is what I want to throw out to you. Um, That is a very important thing. I'm not saying that it's not. But one of the things that I want to ask this morning, and we're going to discover, is this. If it's just about being saved, right, why don't we go straight to heaven when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Anybody ever think about that? I mean, if it's just about being saved, if it's just about putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, getting us essentially into relationship with Jesus, then why are we still here? Right? And I hope and would pray that there's a reason and a purpose behind being saved and the reason that we are still here as the church assembling and gathering today as well as walking through this world teaching and preaching uh, about our Lord and Savior Jesus. I've said this before and I'll just use this analogy again to kind of refocus the emphasis behind it. Some of you know that I enjoy my marriage to my wife Kelly but if I told you that the best day of our life was our wedding day and that after that I haven't spent any time with her whatsoever, getting to know her or getting to grow in our marriage together, but we have a wonderful relationship, what would you say to me? That's a little odd, isn't it? Right? So let me ask you this. If someone comes forward and they're like, yeah, you know, I placed my faith and trust in Jesus back in 1972, and I haven't done anything with it whatsoever. Now, I'm not God, and I'm not judge, But I would look at that and I would say, now wait a minute. You're telling me that way back in 1972, you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but you've done nothing with it. You've not wanted to grow in it. You've not wanted to have a life with Christ. 
whatsoever. Now, this is a little bit extreme, but what I'm trying to do here is to demonstrate the importance of our life with Jesus after we've placed our faith and trust in him. And so the point of today's message is to talk about growing in our life with Christ. And so what I want to ask us simply today is, that is, a, is that a priority for us? Do we want to grow in our life with Christ? Or are we just kind of getting by? Now, the other thing that I'll tell you is um, the relational aspect of Jesus is such a joy. I don't know about you, but as I get to know him more and more on a relational level, I want to know more about who my Savior is. I want to spend time with him. I don't want to just sit and hear about him for 45 minutes on a Sunday, although that's not a bad thing. And so lovingly, but quite seriously, I'm asking you, what are you doing to grow in your relationship with Christ? And how are you encouraging others to grow in their relationship with Christ? Dr. Robert Lewis says this, and this is sort of the culmination of the study that we've been going through. He says that the Christian life is just that, a life with Christ over a lifetime. And I want to pause there for a minute. A life with Christ over a lifetime. And so I'm going to just ask a quick question. Has your lifetime been, after placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, with him or without him? And lovingly, what I want to say is, God is always the one who is extending the invitation to all of us for a deeper level of intimacy with him. And we can always turn to him and draw closer to him, no matter where we may or may not be in our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus. But I am going to say that it's extremely important that we engage in our relationship with him because that's when the Christian life becomes vibrant, joyful, and alive. Many significant challenges, numerous life-changing opportunities, and countless personal adventures await the man or woman who will take on Jesus' ultimate challenge of follow me. So the next thing that I want to ask you is this. As you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, has it always been perfect? Have you always gotten what you want, when you want, and how you want it? Oftentimes what we discover is, to be honest with you, after placing our faith and trust in Jesus, life might get harder. It might actually become more challenging. We might actually lose friendships. We might actually not get the promotion at work. We might actually have physical challenges or financial burdens. And the reality is Jesus himself, he says, hey, I'm here to tell you that in this world you will have troubles. But what does he say? Fear not, for I have overcome the world. So the next thing that I want to encourage you in is, is in coming to Christ, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. Now, prayerfully, it's going to be filled with joy. It's going to be filled with the uh, blessing of following Christ and telling people about him and learning about who he is, and perhaps your life gets better. But following Christ is not a guarantee that you get what you want, how you want, and when you want it. That's not who Christ is. And so looking back, as I reflect on my life, many of you know that I came to Christ actually through this study back in college. 
And I will tell you that I love what I do. I love being a pastor. I will also tell you that if you came to me in college and said, hey, I'm going to tell you something, that in 20 years you're going to be a pastor, I would have laughed at you and I would have said, that's a good one. And then they've told me, not only are you going to be a pastor, but you're going to be a pastor in rural Iowa. I would have said, that's going to be even better. I had no, no idea. This wasn't even on my radar. But yet, through the grace and mercy of God, he's put me here. And it's been a blessing and a joy to teach and preach the message of the gospel. But also, many of you know that days haven't always been easy. There have been days that have been filled with hardship and hurt and pain and challenge and strife. And that's just part of the walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus, knowing that in all, in the good and the bad, Christ is with us. And that's what we see in terms of what Dr. Lewis is saying. We see life-challenging um, challenging moments, opportunities, personal adventures. But then notice, it's the challenge of follow me, meaning following Jesus. And so I just want to throw out a question to you. Are you following Jesus? Or are you wanting Jesus to save you, but saying, that's it. I want you, Jesus, to follow me. You're on my agenda. I'm not on yours. Because there's a big difference in how we're called to be followers of Jesus Christ. The first thing I want to show you as we look at this um, is essentially uh, the, the most important aspect that I want to talk about this morning. And then we're going to get into how we're going to grow in our relationship or in our life with Christ. The first thing is that we can rest in the fact that we are secure in Christ, yet we are responsible to Christ every day. What do we mean by that? Once we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are secure in our salvation. It's not going to be taken away from us. And I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to be at peace with that. But I also want you to know that we are responsible for our relationship with Christ each and every day. That's the idea of sanctification or being set apart for God. And so as we walk in our life, my question is, are we being set apart for him? Are we wanting to know more about who he is? So first thing that I want you to see is we're secure in our salvation and our relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to read from John 10, 27 through 30. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And so rest in that. If you are one of God's sheep, you know the voice of God. And he is saying that none of us will perish and no one will snatch us out of the hand of God. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then in Romans 8, 38-39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither all creation, would be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so take a minute and rest in that. Have there been moments in your life where you've been uh, sort of feeling that you're unworthy of the love of God? Are there moments when you're looking and you're saying, man, I don't know. I don't know that God should love me here. I don't know that I am able to receive the love that God gives. 
And what I want to encourage you in when we look, particularly in the uh, passage of Romans, is to remember what is stated. That death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers that neither all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Rest in that. Be blessed in that. Recognize the fact that your salvation is secure in Christ and that you are his child and that you have his promises. But while we rest in the security of our salvation, we also have to remember and recognize that we are responsible to Christ and we are to continue to work out our salvation. And so I ask a question. Are you working out your salvation? Are you growing in your relationship with Christ? Philippians 2, 12 through 13 states this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And so a question that I ask of us is this, are we allowing God to work out our salvation? But are we also allowing God to have us will and act according to, notice the end, his good purpose? Or are we going before and saying to God, hey, that's fine, I want to have salvation, but after this I want you to get out of the way because it's my life, it's what I want, it's the goals that I have, it's the desires that I have. So God, feel free to save me, but then after that, get out of my way and let me control and be the ruler of my life. What we have to understand and recognize is when we place our faith and trust in Christ, the relationship should be that Christ is Lord of our life. Christ is at the center of our life. Now, go out and pursue the goals and the dreams that you have. God puts passions and desires in our hearts. He gives us gifts and talents to work from. So do that and pursue it. But don't become your own God. Don't become your own idol. Don't turn to God and say, hey, you can have essentially who I am so that I'm saved, but you cannot have my life. And the other question is, is this, should God change the trajectory of your life? Should God call you to something that maybe you have not seen or have not dreamed of, but you know it is a clear call of God, are you willing to obey that call? Are you willing to obey what he asks of you? Are you willing to act according to his good purpose? So the first thing that I want to show us and that we need to remember is is we can rest in the fact that we're secure in Christ, but yet we are responsible to Christ every day. And in that responsibility, the next thing that I want to show us is, is that we're called to grow in our new life with Christ. Once we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus, as glorious as that is, as important as that is, we're not called to stay static. We're called to grow. And so are we growing in Christ? 
Well, how are some things or what are some ways that we could grow in our relationship with Christ? And the first thing that we see and one of the biggest encouragement is is that we should dedicate ourselves to knowing the Bible. Are we spending time learning God's word? Are we spending time looking at it and studying it and understanding what is there? 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And so are we studying the scriptures? Are we looking into God's word? Are we looking at what it says? Are we wanting to know more about it? Are we allowing it to permeate our hearts? Are we allowing it to convict us of our sins? Are we allowing it to transform our minds and our thinking? into a biblical viewpoint rather than a secular one. Now, how might this work? We're all different. God's created us differently. But my word of encouragement is is that we would spend time studying the scriptures, that we would look at them throughout the week, that we would take moments of personal devotion, that we would have our quiet times that we would sit before God, that we would read his word, that we would allow his word to soak within us and to dwell in our hearts and our minds on a regular basis. I just want to throw this out to you. Um, And I think this fits very well. Uh, If we were wanting to get healthy, one of my goals this year is to get myself sort of back into better shape. And what I can tell you is, is in wanting to get in better shape, I can talk about it all I want. Man, I want to get in better shape. Man, I just can't wait until I'm, I'm, I'm you know, able to lift this. I'm able to do that. It's going to be so wonderful when I get that together. But if I just talk about it and I don't do it, am I going to be in better shape? No, I'm not. So, personal moment. Now you know. You can all hold me accountable. Are you working out? Are you spending time in getting in better shape? But let me ask you another thing. What if I came to you and I'm like, man, I'm going to get in better shape. And it's going to be great. And I can't tell you. I'm just so excited about this. Every Sunday morning for 45 minutes, but if it's 47, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to work out. And then after those 45 minutes, I'm done. And I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. And guess what? Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have someone else do it for me. Am I going to get in better shape? I think you get where I'm going. If we want to be in better shape for Christ, as good as it is, as important as it is, to come and worship together in church and to hear the sermons that we prepare, the way that you grow in your relationship with Christ is by spending time studying his word or exercising your faith on a regular basis. And so lovingly, what I would say is what can you do in your life to put things in place where you're able to spend time regularly with God? And the next question is, is it a priority? Because if it's not a priority, it isn't going to occur. And so lovingly, I want to encourage us that we should dedicate ourselves to knowing the Bible, okay? Now, we're never going to know it all. The more that I plumb the depths of Scripture, the more I discover just truly how vast God is. 
But I hope and pray that as I continue in this life, I will know more about God, not necessarily intellectually, but relationally. And that in that, the relationship that as I study the scriptures it grows will be one that permeates out to other individuals. The other thing too is this, that we should reach out to God in prayer. When we're growing with Christ, we should reach out to God in prayer. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives he who seeks find, and to whom who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so are we going to God and asking him? Are we going to God and saying, Lord, I want more of you? And I want to be careful on this because we look at this and obviously we think, okay, well, great. I can just go to God and ask him for good gifts. I want good things, right? And I've said before, like, man, I'd love a Ferrari. God, I want a red Ferrari. Now, God might give me a red Ferrari, but God may not give me a red Ferrari. And am I going to be upset with him if I don't receive it? And the idea behind that is what's the motivation with it? What am I going to do with a red Ferrari? Right? Probably get a lot of speeding tickets. Where I'm going with this is as we grow in our relationship with Christ, as we grow in our understanding of him, the relationship will cause us to say, you know what, perhaps having a red Ferrari isn't a good thing. God, give me what you want. Give me what I need to bring glory and honor to your name. But also trust that when we go to God and we say, God, I'm asking of this to bring glory to you. I'm asking of this so that other people might know your name. I'm asking of this so that I might grow in a relationship with you. Just like a heavenly father to a son, right? We're not going to just look and say, no, thank you. I've said this before, many of you know Noah, P.S., by the way, he's home with a, a fever right now, so that's, that's where they are. But if uh, Noah comes up to me and he says, hey, Daddy, you know, I'd love to play Uno with you, right? And he looks up at me and he says, this is what I want to do. Why in my right mind would I turn to him and say, no, I'm not going to play Uno with you? Now, I might be busy for a minute. I might say, hey, buddy, let me just finish this for a second, and then we'll go and we'll play Uno. But I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to delight in doing that because he's coming and he's wanting to relationally connect with me. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you in is, is in your relationship with Christ on a, a deep level, you can go to him as a heavenly father knowing that when you approach him in a desire for relational connection, he is not going to turn his blind eye to you. Or sorry, excuse me, away from you. And so the next thing I want to ask you is how much of your life is spent in prayer? And let me also ask another thing. How much of your life is spent in prayer asking God for things versus praising God for what he's given? 
One of the things that I find so interesting in my life is the more that I focus on what I've been given in Christ, the greater I am in the relationship I have and the less demands or wants I have to ask of him. Because I begin to realize truly how blessed and how full I am in my relationship with Christ simply because of what Christ has done for me and done for us. We are so fortunate and blessed to be followers of Jesus and to have the eternal kingdom and to have the promises of God. And as we look at that, we become thankful, we become grateful, we become reverent. And sure, there are needs, there are worries, there are hopes, there are desires in my life. But little by little, as I look more and more to the relationship that I have with my Savior Jesus, some of those desires that I thought I wanted in my life begin to fade away, and more of the desires are, Lord, whatever it is to bring glory and honor to your name, that's what I want. So use me to be able to do that however you see fit. So not only should we dedicate ourselves to knowing the Bible, but we should reach out to God in prayer. And then the next thing is this, that we should seek to establish strong Christian friends. One of the things that's so important is to get ourselves together with other believers. And I want to make sure that I put a balance to this. This doesn't mean that we don't go out and spend time with non-believers. I think we should always have individuals in our lives who don't know Jesus. I think we should be out demonstrating Christ to them. But the question is, is after we place our faith and trust in Christ, are we spending time with fellow believers, being encouraged by them, growing with them, essentially allowing them to shape and mold us as we shape and mold them? Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so are we encouraging one another? Are we spending time with each other? Do we delight when we find another brother and sister in Christ to say, hey, let's take some time and encourage each other or fellowship with one another? Have our friendships changed after having come to Jesus than before? For me, I remember it was one of the things that I recognized and I realized as I put my faith and trust in Christ. Some of my friendships that I had began to dwindle. I became sort of the Jesus freak, for lack of a better word. And some of my friends wanted nothing to do with me. And to be honest with you, for a period it was quite painful. I kind of wondered, like, why is this happening? Is this worth it? Is this something that should occur? And what I began to realize was, was that what God was doing was he was beginning to separate my life. And then slowly but surely, God put other individuals in my life who were believers. And I began to fellowship with them. Still have a connection with those other individuals. But the friendships that I had began to transition away from those individuals towards spending time with people who could encourage and grow me in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Are we coming together in fellowship? Are we coming together to worship God? Now, praise God for it. I'm glad that you are all here. 
But one of the things that I will encourage and one of the things that I will say we need to take a serious look at is what I'm beginning to see is this idea of individual Christianity. I'll just do it on my own, right? I'll just go, I'll get up on a Sunday morning, I'll watch a podcast or I'll watch a sermon. There's my worship. I don't need to get together with a body of believers. They're a bunch of hypocrites anyway. So it's just easier for me to do my Christian walk by myself. One of the things that I want to encourage us in is is nothing could be further from the truth. And one of the dangers that we saw, essentially back when we were going through COVID, due to the fact that we had to be isolated, was a lot of individuals began to become comfortable in that isolation. Now, praise God, little by little, people are coming away from that isolation. But what I want to encourage you in is this. In being isolated, we can't be molded and shaped and formed more and more into the image of our Savior Jesus. Rubbing shoulders with other believers is what continues to grow us, break us, challenge us, mold us, and shape us more into the image of our Savior, rather than just having our own sort of in-the-box Christian faith. So may we encourage one another to meet together. May we encourage one another to fellowship together. The other thing, it's quite obvious, it's kind of sort of, can't say it any other way, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled, bad company disrupts good character. Who are you spending time with? Who are the people around you? And recognize that the people around you will mold and shape who you are. Now, please, again, I want to be very careful in this. This doesn't mean just isolating yourself and not going out and being the gospel. We are called to be in the world. We are called to go out and teach and preach and give the good news. We can't just put ourselves in a holy huddle. But you do have a choice in who you spend time with. And I uh, want to particularly encourage the youth in this. You have choices into who you spend time with and who you are influenced by. And I promise you that if you move in a way of having good company that is encouraging your character, it will encourage and grow you. But I also promise you that if you move and you're spending time in bad character, that that will draw you away and it will begin to corrupt how you're living your life. Very simply stated, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now in that, lovingly, if there is bad character, I would say do not spend a ton of time with them but also that might be an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So please remember and recognize that. So we've seen that we should dedicate ourselves to knowing the Bible. We've seen that we should reach out to God in prayer. And that we also should seek to establish strong Christian friends. But also we should yield to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. We learned last week that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that actually becomes part of us. It indwells us. We're connected, essentially, to God. We are not God, but we are connected through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit within. And that is, essentially, what is calling us as a counselor to yield to God. 
And so in this, what I want to ask is simply this, are we yielding to the Holy Spirit? When we read the word of God and the word of God convicts us, do we pass it off? Do we say, oh, I don't want to hear that? Or do we look and we say, yeah, that might be kind of my issue, but boy, that person over there, they really need to hear this verse. Or do we allow the Holy Spirit to mold and to shape us? Galatians 5, 6 says this, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And so lovingly, what I'm telling you is this, are you living by the Spirit? And then I will go as far to say, if you are not living by the Spirit, then what are you doing? Gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. Now, I don't want to be legalistic, but what I want to ask is this, are we turning our hearts to be led by God? Are we wanting the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct us? Are we just kind of pacifying ourselves and allowing our sinful nature to sort of overtake who we are? and what we're all about. Romans 8.11 says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. And so do you have the life that is being spoken about? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to live within you? Or are you squelching it because of your own desires? And then the final thing that I want to encourage us in is, is after we've recognized that we should yield to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, another area that we should think and pray about is that we should publicly want to declare our new faith in Jesus Christ through baptism. Baptism is a glorious opportunity. It's a glorious step in our walk with Christ to demonstrate that indeed he is Lord of our life. Now I want to be uh, kind of very clear on this. Um, first and foremost, we see in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, uh, the words are stated, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so baptism is a proclamation of one's faith in Jesus Christ. It is essentially publicly going before the church as well as the community and saying, I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is Lord of my life and I am wanting you body as well as God to know that as I declare that today through baptism. That's what we're doing. We're proclaiming our faith and trust in him. And the other thing that we recognize and see is, is Christ himself was baptized. In Luke 3, 21 through 22, we read the words, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And so one of the things that I would encourage in is this, have you been baptized? Now, please hear me, baptism is not a salvific event, it does not save you, but is a proclamation of the salvation that you have accepted or have in your life. And so one of the things that we enjoy and one of the things that is a blessing is, is we enjoy baptizing individuals as they proclaim their, their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so think through that for a minute and say, you know, have I pursued baptism? Is that something that maybe I'd like to do? And for those of us that have been baptized, praise God for it, okay? 
I'm going to be very careful. It's not like you're a second-rate Christian if you've not, but a natural step in our progression with our walk with Jesus Christ is to be baptized. And that is a glorious thing to do. This morning we've looked at several things and we're kind of ending the culmination of this series. And it's, hey, we've looked at who Christ is and what is God all about. And now that an individual would place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what do we do? What's sort of the next step? And that's what we're speaking about today. Earlier you heard me say, hey, why is it that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus that we don't automatically go to heaven? And that's because we're called to be the church. God has entrusted the church to you and I, believers in Jesus. And so lovingly what I want to tell you is this, if we're not wanting to grow in Christ, if we're not taking the steps to grow in Christ, why should we expect the church to grow? But if we are growing in Christ, and we are doing what God has called us to do, we can be used in a mighty way to grow the church for his kingdom. We've seen that when we rest in the fact that we are secure in Christ, we have great joy. We also need to remember and recognize that we are responsible to Christ each and every day, and that we are called to grow in our life with Christ. And so again, I want to encourage us, what are we doing to growing in our knowledge of the Bible? What are we doing to spend time with God in prayer? Are we seeking out Christian fellowship and Christian friends? Are we yielding to the Holy Spirit within us when God convicts us of certain things? Or are we just brushing it away and saying, well, you should see that person over there. And then lastly, have we taken that step of baptism, publicly declaring our faith and trust in Jesus Christ? So the culmination of all this today is simply this. We're called to be Christ's disciples and bring the good news of the gospel to a broken world. Let's pray. Father, this morning we do come before you and we just thank you for you. We thank you for each and every individual that is with us this morning. We thank you for their heart and their desire to come and to hear from your word. Pray that you would continue to grow them in their faith. But Father, as we've looked particularly today, I do pray that we would take a moment and really examine our, our lives and say, Lord, what are we doing to grow in our relationship with you? Lord, are we just kind of going through the motions, uh, getting through day by day, or are we actually pursuing you with a heartfelt passion, knowing that you do so much more? And Father, in that, I pray that as we move toward a deeper relationship with you, that we would realize just how glorious it is to know you, to serve you, to recognize how much we are loved by you, to realize that really the joy and purpose in life is to make your life known. And in that, Lord, may that bring hope and joy and peace and rest and comfort to our lives, realizing indeed that we are part of your kingdom, a kingdom that is secure a kingdom that is solid, a kingdom that will never end. Lord, we're grateful for it. We do pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say,